Are you developing IoT solutions? Get ready for tomorrow with Farnell, supporting your design journey from connecting smart sensors to the cloud to implementing AI. Find everything you need at Farnell.com. Enjoy this episode with Farnell, a global distributor of electronic products and solutions. Welcome to the latest episode of the Engineers Collective. I'm Claire Smith and I'm editor of New Civil Engineer. I'm going to be joined in a moment by our senior reporter, Catherine Kennedy, as we look at how 3D printing is changing the face of construction and what it might mean for the industry in the future too. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Farnell Electronics. Joining us for this discussion, we have Bam Nuttall, Head of Innovation, Colin Everson. Colin is a Fellow of the Institution of Civil Engineers and also a Fellow of the Institution of Engineering and Technology. In his role at BAM Nuttall, he's been engaged with 3D concrete printing over the last few years. His interest in 3D printing began when he had small scale architectural models produced to help explain the intent for projects such as the Victoria Station and Tottenham Court Road Station upgrades on the Tube. So welcome to the Engineers Collective, Colin. Thanks very much and uh, thanks for inviting me. No problem. So this is quite an exciting topic and our coverage of it in NCE last year resulted in one of my favourite covers when we looked at how High Speed 2 was using 3D concrete printing on the project and looking how it was planning to try and develop the technology. The cover showed a cartoon-like concrete mixer feeding into a printer that was printing a building directly on site and that made it look really futuristic but it's actually really happening. And 3D printing has come a long way since I first saw it being used by the sector to create scale models to aid safety training for the installation of ground support, which must have been a good 10 years ago now. The rapid change does beg the question of where we might be in 10 years' time. But before we explore all of the possibilities, I think we should just take a step back and look at where the technology's come from and how it's gone from being a concept to reality. So, Colin, can you tell us when 3D printing technology was first developed? not necessarily for construction, but in general. So thinking about those architectural models we produced, I guess it was back in 2008 when we started to look at the Victoria Station upgrade project. And um, it was very much in its infancy. And I I found a fairly small supplier um, in the centre of London, and they were able to produce these, it was almost like a wax-like model of the 3D CAD model of of the project. It was quite delicate and it wasn't very robust and the detail wasn't great and and also the size was quite limited at the time and then as we moved on i think when we looked at tottenham court road and we made some larger models they were more substantial and more robust and i think yeah the technology since then in the model making world has come on um, and now we've seen these real scale models where we, we can produce items out of concrete or a, or a, or a cement based mortar and yeah, people are now starting to see full-scale pieces of infrastructure in the real world. And so at the point when you first became aware of the technology as a kind of general concept, um, did you see a construction application at that point? I guess we did. I could, I could understand, the, if you like, the stretch from using the models to making real infrastructure. But I guess because the material is different, then there is different constraints about what you can make. These models that you make, um, some of them are supported in a bed of powder, so that supports the structure when it's being made. But obviously in the real world, you can't really do that with concrete and mortar. So there are some constraints about 
the model needs to support its own weight. You can't, it's very difficult to have an overhang. Um, you know, you need to build vertically on top of the layer that's been printed previously, for example. So where and when did you see it first cross over into the construction industry and actually being used on site rather than just for a model? I think it was on a trip over to the Netherlands. There was a factory that BAM had set up in conjunction with Weber Baymix um, on the outskirts of Eindhoven. Eindhoven's one of those innovative cities. I think it's the home of Philips. And this is sort of a, you know, it's almost like a sort of a general atmosphere for doing things a bit different. So we went and had a, a visit over to the factory there. It was in its infancy. They were building quite simple structures. It was almost like a, you know, a chair made out of this mortar, which was then turned on its side so it would be a real object. And then we started to see some. I think it was like a retaining wall that they built next, and then they moved on to a, a, a small-scale bridge structure. So I guess they were finding their way building things each time slightly more complex and a slightly larger scale, um, working up to what we see um, out on site nowadays. And people often think when it comes to this sort of thing about printing plastics and that sort of material, but what, what is the range of materials, particularly construction materials, that can be 3D printed? So certainly from my experience, um, there's been a lot of work on cement-based materials. Now, the drawback, obviously, it uses cement, which is a high carbon content material, but there are work that's going on to reduce that cement content. Other materials, I think, um, I've seen a type of steel uh, used in a 3D printed. I think there was a, a bridge over a canal in Amsterdam that was produced using this technology. But I guess also composites as well. You know, we've seen a huge growth in the use of composites across our industry and other industries like aviation. Um, I guess that gives a bit more flexibility of the type of structures that are possible. So how's it been applied to construction projects so far? You mentioned a couple there. What about within your firm what projects are you using it on so within the last 12 18 months we've seen several deployments on projects um one example is stairs so where we have an access staircase that sits on an earthworks embankment traditionally they're usually built out of bricks and then paving slabs on top quite a laborious in situ activity that can you know drag on for a week or two it could be precast material, but then a precast lends itself to repeatability, and often these slopes are, are quite a bespoke angle. Um, so yes, we've used those stairs on two projects, one for a project for the Environment Agency near Luton, and more recently as part of the Glasgow M8 footbridge project. What about the Environment Agency? Can you tell us a little bit more about that project? Yeah, so this was, um, I think it was originally designed is an in-situ staircase um, up and over a new embankment to provide access. I think one was for a footpath for public use and one was for maintenance access. And we talked about it with the site and they were willing to try something a bit different. Um, so yeah, basically the staircase turned up on the lorry one day and it was just craned in place. So it replaced, you know, what might be say a week, 10 days of on-site construction was literally, it was craned in place within a day and it was designed to suit the slope of the embankment. It wasn't a question of picking something from a precast stair catalogue and does it fit? It was a bespoke object that was printed for that site. So not quite at the point of being able to just take the printer out of site and print it on site and it moves away and it's done and dusted. 
Interesting point. Um, I don't think it's too far away. We have tried, if you like, this sort of flying factory approach. There was a demonstration at Las Vegas at a conference there where a printer was flown over and done, a, and we did a demonstration. And we also set it up at Heathrow Airport in their logistics centre. So literally only a couple of days to get it set up. And yeah, by the end of it, it was producing objects, but um, I guess there's a little bit further work needed there before we start to see these things printed out on site. So just reflecting back on the projects you talked about there, what are the real benefits for those projects of using that technique rather than normal off-site manufacturing and bringing something in? What does the 3D printing bring to those schemes? Yeah, so the, so the real advantage, I think, where 3D printing comes into its own, it can produce a one-off or it can produce a series of slightly different objects and it's at the same cost. Obviously, you can do that if you're building a bespoke item in situ on site. But if you're building a precast element, obviously, there's a lot of effort that goes into building those molds and you need the repeatability to make it value for money. So you can have lots of different bespoke or slightly different objects and the printer can just produce it very quickly and very economically. Other examples we've used, we printed some drainage head walls. They were a fairly standard item. All of those were the same, but they were quite a lightweight alternative to what you might see traditionally. Traditionally, you'd use, say, bags filled with concrete, which is a bit of a back-breaking um, task in itself. Other items, we've tried to use it for bridges. Bridges are a little bit tricky because there's quite a lot of competition there because you've got a lot of precast element items that you're sort of fighting against to make it economically viable. But because you only put material where it's needed, you can create voids in those structures, which then cuts down on the cost of the material and then can make it competitive. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of kind of flexibility and potential efficiency, but I imagine there must be uh, challenges as well. So what what are the hurdles that you'd say projects need to overcome to kind of use the technology effectively? So interestingly, one of the challenges that you get is when people see the surface texture. So we've become conditioned to see like an F4 concrete finish that's formed with high quality plywood. People now expect that as the norm. Where when we started building bridges, you used to use sawn boards. So actually a sawn board finish was the accepted norm. So the fact that you get a different finish with a 3D printer, we almost need to re-educate people of what a concrete structure might look like. Actually, some people really like the finish and the fact that it is a little bit different and you can form maybe a more organic shape. So I guess the aesthetics in what's now become accepted, what a concrete structure looks like is, is one of the things that we need to challenge. So people kind of have expectations and this is different from them and that's a bit of a shift for them. Yeah, so, you know, we, we've got people who've grown up in, you know, designing and building these structures. They know what the things look like. Um, yeah, teaching them that, well, maybe they could look different, but still perform the same task is, is, is one of the challenges. Another challenge, of course, is design code. Um, I don't think you can push, pull a design code off the shelf that tells you how to design a 3D concrete printed structure because the standards haven't kept up with that yet. So there's a little bit of having to design from first principles or using one of the design tools that have started to be developed now, one of these computational design tools that's been developed to suit the process. But surely that really excites some engineers, because that's really going back to why a lot of people came into engineering, isn't it, to do something first, something different, 
and do things from first principles. Exactly, yeah. So you start to have to understand the strength of the material, where you need it to perform, the loads it needs to resist. Yeah, it's almost like you're going back to basics of, of, of starting from scratch and, and building a design from first principles. So more broadly, what are the barriers to wider use in construction? Is there a size limitation in terms of scaling up the technology or is it more the types of materials that could be printed that create the limitation? So one of the challenges, I guess, is the timing that you start to talk about it. If you've got, um, for example, the stairs that we did on this environment agency job, there was already a design on the paper of what these stairs would look like. So someone's gone to the effort of designing the structure in the first place. So therefore, we've got to scrap that and come up with a new design, a new um, solution for it. So I guess you need to introduce the technology at the right point so we're designing that object to be 3D printed as opposed to changing it from a conventional design into a 3D printed design. So there's an element of timing and trying to introduce it to the project to the right place. And in practical terms, on site, what does 3D printing mean for productivity and efficiency? So we've seen the huge drive to try and move construction activities off site in terms of productivity, quality, safety, and so on. It makes sense to try and do that. If you're in a factory environment, you obviously get a higher quality product. So there will be some improvements to the site. I guess we need to make sure that we pick those projects well to be a good example. You're trying to prove something that's new and unproven in the industry. So you need to come up with a comprehensive and well-presented case study to actually for other people to look at and say, that's a reference project, I want to try it on my project too. And could it also help the industry in terms of reaching carbon net zero? Yeah, reducing the carbon is obviously a massive um, target for the industry at the moment. As I said, the, at the moment, the mortar uses a lot of cement. However, you can use less material than you would if it was a solid concrete structure. And I think once these materials evolve into using cement replacement materials, or maybe composite materials, then I can think we can start to see a reduction in the carbon. And there's also, I guess, we need to consider the carbon of doing these things on site in a more traditional way. If you're there longer on site, maybe using more diesel in constructing the objects in a more traditional sense, you need to look at carbon in the whole building and construction process, not just the product itself. So just looking at the projects that you're currently working on that could use 3D printing, that are currently using conventional techniques, if they were to switch, what benefits would it bring to those projects, do you think? I think the ability to have, I guess, more individual organic designs. So instead of maybe compromising, saying, oh, we need to pick something that's in the catalogue because it's that's all that's available in precast. You know, if you could just have a whole series of bridges, you could have each one that's slightly different, slightly different shape. Maybe it fits into the environment and the landscape a bit better. Whereas I guess now it's a bit more of a regimented rectangular shape because that's what's available from the catalogue. So I guess, yeah, the flexibility of maybe to have a bit more flair in some of the structures that we could create um, could be one of the benefits. But does that create challenges in terms of maintenance when you've got lots of different structures? Because I guess that's why we've gone down the route of having lots of similar ones. Yeah, so interestingly, maintenance. So one of the things that you can do, obviously, if you design the structure in the right, right ways to get rid of the re reinforcement that's in the structure. 
Reinforcement is a massive contributor to the carbon cost, but it's also usually a point of weakness that starts to corrode. So if you get rid of the steel rebar in there, then maybe actually maintenance all becomes easier as well. And again, looking ahead, then in 10 years time, what do you think we'll be using 3D printing for within the construction industry? So 10 years time, um, you know, when you think about the desktop printers, you can now buy a desktop 3D printer, whereas originally it was out of reach. It was 10, 20,000 pounds. You can print these small little objects at home. Maybe we can print our own infrastructure. I mean, we've seen small scale objects that are printed. Um, yeah, maybe you can have, yeah, printed at on the site as and when it's needed, um, literally print on demand. So what changes are needed in the industry in order to deliver that? Does the printing technology need to evolve further or is it more research and development into the materials technology that's needed? I think it's a mixture. We need to certainly evolve the material that's being used. Um, I think also we need to get the technology in front of more people. The more people that see it, the more people that go to the factory, they've then got first-hand experience of what the technique is and how it works. And then the more objects we get out on site, then people have got the confidence to maybe select it as a solution in their particular infrastructure projects. And so up until this point, we've kind of talked about the feasibility. Um, but what about the acceptability of all of this? I know we've already mentioned EHS2 using the concrete printing, but what about other clients? Are they open to that? technology and is it a similar thing where I know you'd mentioned people's expectations about what things look like um, you know how does that come into play with the clients? I guess it depends on which individual you're talking to so is it the person that's going to be responsible for the whole lifetime of that asset and they want certainty so really do they want something they're comfortable with that's proven or are you speaking to someone from their innovation department that says great let's try something new um, because if we don't try something new, we'll never evolve. So I guess it's a balance. It needs to be new and pushing the boundaries, but it also needs to be, I like what they've done over there and I can understand it and I don't really want to be the first. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's, there's a balance between being a little bit too far out there, but also having some comfort that you understand the risks um, that you are taking. And what are some of those risks, would you say? Well, I guess the risks, one of them might be that we haven't seen any of these structures in use for 10, 20 years. I guess at some point we had our first reinforced concrete bridge and no one knew what that would last. Mm -hmm. And I'd imagine a lot of the structures now that we see have more than outlasted their design lives. So I guess, yeah, a little bit is the long term robustness, I guess, of this material. Is it stable enough? And I guess that's something that we can we can replicate in the laboratory and we can do testing to give us comfort of that. Yes, I was wondering, is more research needed to either reduce the risk or kind of reassure clients that it would be all right? I think, yeah, the more research that goes on, the better. There's certain certainly universities that are doing work. Um, more of that work that gets done and gets published is really good. And But also, I guess, in conjunction with asset owners and contractors that are providing those. So it needs to be, if you like, a three-way process. We don't want um, it just to sit in the academic world. It needs to have um, real connections with 
what industry and what uh, clients are demanding. And aside from that, do you think it is a case of the proof existing in projects that are there, like you've said, and kind of clients being able to look back at all these examples, which hopefully will build up a bit over time? Yeah, so we've also we've we've already taken uh, people to see the factory Nindhoven, and that certainly goes some way into educating them of what the process is all about. And I think now we've got some objects that are on site that's going to further give people confidence. So we've had discussions with designers and and clients previously, and that has led to an acceptance of let's try something on a project. And now we've got some real case studies where people can go along and see it for real themselves and see what it's all about. What about in terms of skill? We already talked about the fact that people need to to go back to first principles to design. Do engineers need different skills or do we need to have the design codes really to back up this move into 3D printing? Well, I guess certainly uh, we've seen a move to more computational design methods in lots of different parts of engineering. Um, And I guess this is no different. The advantage is that you put a lot of effort into coming up with a parametric design model So it takes a lot of effort to do it once, but then it's almost downskilling the the effort that's needed to produce that particular object. Because all the effort's been done creating the parametric model, you just need to change the parameters for the the type and the size and the scale of the object you want to produce. And do you have any examples with all of this of um, what not to do, I suppose, or any lessons learned going forward? Yeah, I guess... Um, one of the challenges in the factory is almost trying to say yes to everyone and you end up with lots of different prototypes. So I guess what you need to do is to concentrate on a few objects, get really good at making those, and that gives you some confidence that you can then go to the market going, yes, we can produce this, we can produce that. Um, I guess, yeah, trying to trying to, trying to pick off some easy wins rather than trying to tackle everything at once because it's certainly not the answer for everything. Um, there's other construction methods which... Um, are always going to be the preferred choice. So are there some projects where you try to apply 3D printing where it just really didn't work and perhaps that people can avoid going down those blind alleys? Um, I guess you need to make sure it stacks up economically. The first one is always going to be tricky because it's always going to be more expensive. But I think once you've got some confidence of what the real cost is, don't try and shoehorn it into something that's, say, better suited for precast material. So it, it needs to be chosen on its own. It needs to be stand up on its own two feet and be chosen on its own merits. Quite literally and ethically as well. Yes, exactly, yeah. So, I mean, how much of the industry is going down this route? Is it really quite just a small group of people who are looking very innovatively at it at the moment? Or is it going to be something in a few years' time where we're all doing it? You talked about the desktop printer, how that's changed. Are we going to see a lot more firms moving into this? I think we've certainly seen um, a lot of different companies starting to explore the technology. There's certain centres of excellence within different universities. Um, and I think in the Far East and the Middle East, we've also seen some fairly large construction projects now where they're building, I think it's housing, um, using 3D printed technology printed out on site. So I think there's we're only going to see this going to start growing um, significantly over the next few years. How long before we've got houses in the UK built from 3D printing or you build your extension by 3D printing? I guess it depends on how many people want to live in something that looks like something that's 3D printed. Um, I guess people have got used to houses being built out of bricks and and that's what they like to live in. So 
maybe we end up putting brick slips or a brick facade over something that's 3D printed in order to get some acceptance. But I suppose then it comes back to the skills issue. Perhaps that helps solve some of the skills because there are a lot of problems with trades on site at the moment, aren't there? Trying to get people who have got the skills to build those properties. Yeah, those, those lifelong skills, are, you know, a brick lane, for example, if people aren't going into the industry, those resources are going to become more scarce. So that's going to drive different construction methods. Yeah, definitely. So I think it's going to be a real sector to watch and um, it's been a fascinating discussion. So I'd like to thank Final Electronics for their support for this episode to allow us to explore how 3D printing technology might change the face of construction and to look at the impact that it already is having. So join us again soon for another episode of The Engineers Collective. This episode was brought to you by Farnell, your global distributor of electronic components, products and solutions. Visit farnell.com.